0: This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live.
1: Hello and welcome to The Twilight Show. Thanks for joining me. Today my special guest is Gloria E. Montiel, a teacher, teacher educator and ELT professional based in Mexico. The topic of our show is teacher burnout, and I'll be talking to Gloria after uh, this intro about that and other things too. welcome to the twilight show everyone i'm graham stanley speaking to you live from mexico city as i mentioned in the introduction on today's show i'll be talking to gloria E. montiel about teacher burnout gloria is a language teacher based in puebla mexico and on gloria's linkedin profile she says she firmly believes that education changes lives And that she's been privileged to work in the field since 1995. She's an experienced ELT professional who has also worked in teacher training as a course developer and consultant and in sales and marketing and in Mexico. And I'll be talking to Gloria about teacher burnout and more after the teachers talk radio news.
2: visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today happy reading
3: in today's educational environment students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face online and blended learning courses canvas by instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly, and access actionable data that drives student success.
2: On the 24th to the 26th of January, 2024, Bet UK is back, and even better for educators. New for 2024, Table Talks empowers educators to collaborate openly and connect deeply with like-minded individuals in the education space, as well as tech user labs, the brilliant new tutorials and working groups at BET, where technology users will learn how to get more out of their institutions' tech from the top education technology experts in the world. Whatever your goal, You'll find it at Bet2024. Educators go free. Get your tickets today at www.uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration.
0: This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News.
4: School summer holidays are often a hot topic, but they made the news again in The Guardian as leaders in Wales appear to be considering changes. According to reports, Wales's Minority Labour Administration wants to shrink summer breaks from six weeks to five and eventually reduce it to four weeks. The plan would see the time added to half-term breaks in October and May. The proposal would equalise the length of terms and break the connection with Easter by fixing the timing of the spring break, regardless of when the religious festival falls. The newspaper says the plans follow research by the government, which suggests that parents struggle to organise and pay for childcare over the summer. Plaid Cymru, which supports the proposal, said in a statement that the current calendar was outdated, as it was designed a long time ago, and that some families find the summer break very long and, impacting negatively on their well-being. However, the article also points out that evidence of the harm to learning from school holidays is unclear, as much of the evidence comes from the United States, where summer holidays can be up to 12 weeks long, rather than the six to seven weeks in the UK. John Hattie, Professor of Education at the University of Melbourne, said the effects from school holidays are very small and there is little reason to believe that the length of the school year has much effect at all. A study from 2019 that looked at pupils from primary schools in an area of high deprivation in Scotland and England found no effect on reading skills. In Northern Ireland, schools typically have eight weeks off in the summer, but generally have results in exams that are better than those in England or Wales. However, a 2022 study did find evidence of worsening mental health in some age groups over long summer breaks. Surveys done in Wales found 60% of parents said they were quite happy with the school year as it is. In 2013, then Education Secretary Michael Gove gave schools in England the power to choose the timing of holidays, but most schools kept the six weeks. The BBC News website reports on the Beyond Ofsted inquiry. The inquiry is chaired by former Schools Minister Lord Knight and is funded by the National Education Union. The report from the inquiry recommends that schools should instead be responsible for their own improvement plans. Ofsted has responded by repeating its previous statement that inspections are needed to ensure a high quality education. The inquiry said that Ofsted was now seen by many as toxic and not fit for purpose, and in need of major reform. The removal of single word judgments was also recommended, and this echoed another report on school improvement released earlier by the Institute for Public Policy Research, which also called for narrative style judgments rather than single words. The Beyond Ofsted inquiry recommended stopping Ofsted from having direct contact with schools, and instead schools should draw up their own improvement plans which would make them accountable to parents and the wider local community. Lord Knight, speaking to the BBC, said Ofsted created a culture of fear in our schools. His report also said that Ofsted had become under-resourced for the high-stakes job expected of it. A spokesperson for Ofsted said 9 out of 10 schools say inspections helped them to improve. In related news, the current Chief Inspector of Schools, Amanda Spielman, has written in her final annual report about parents being increasingly willing to challenge school rules in England. She described the unwritten contract between home and school as fractured and that it will take time to repair. The report is broadly positive, but draws attention to a shift in behaviour, attendance and attitudes to education since the pandemic, describing it as leaving a troublesome legacy. Full details of her comments can be found across media outlets. Teach First has celebrated its 20th anniversary with three former Prime Ministers praising the charity's work in tackling education inequalities. According to Teach First's own website newsfeed, the charity has recruited more than 16,000 teachers to work in disadvantaged areas across England. Teach First CEO, Russell Horby, reaffirmed the charity's mission to help Britain's most disadvantaged children to achieve their full potential. Finally, student immigration data has been released, with Home Secretary James Cleverly stating the biggest drivers of immigration to the UK are students and healthcare workers. He further commented that this was testament to our world leading university sector. According to data, Indian nationals account for over one quarter of all sponsored study grants, followed by Chinese nationals. The education sector relies heavily on students applying to UK universities for significant funding, but there is also political pressure to reduce net immigration. Any plans to make changes to the current system will be monitored carefully, although for now the focus remains on illegal migration rather than legal routes. This has been your Teacher's Talk Radio News with Joe Fox.
1: And welcome back, everyone, and welcome in particular to my special guest, Gloria E. Montiel. Thank you so much for joining me, Gloria. Are you there? And how are you?
5: Yes, I'm here. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited to be here and to talk to your audience.
1: Oh, thank you for joining me. Um, so what have you been up to today, Gloria?
5: Well, uh, I started my Saturday, just like I do most Saturdays teaching. I just got out of my, um, 8 AM class. So I, that's what I do. That's probably what I'm going to do to the very last of my days.
1: Right. And, uh, who, who are you teaching at 8 AM on a Saturday then? And is it online or face to face?
5: No, it's online. Um, I have a group of students that, um, work for a company, the company sponsors their English classes mm-hmm. uh, on the condition that they commit to attending and doing their best effort. Uh, and so this company has uh, locations all over the world, really. And so it's easier for them to to do online sessions rather than to try and accommodate uh, timetables and groups and everything yeah. in a face to face setting.
1: Okay. Yeah, of course and uh that's great and uh do you have any more classes today or is that the only one
5: well actually my other student today i have a private class on saturday and pame is tuned in hello pame. Ah, okay so she's my student and and we have a class uh, i she was kind enough to allow me to reschedule uh my class with her so i could be with you today
1: oh fantastic well thank you very much pamela um so uh gloria i, I usually start This show by asking my guests about how they became interested and involved in education so i'd love to hear about you how did you become a teacher
5: well this is a really interesting story uh for me anyway uh because i i didn't and i think that's the case for a lot of teachers i didn't set out to be a teacher to begin with yeah uh i i i'm happy uh, a little bit embarrassed to admit that the reason I learned English was because my mom forced me to. Like she sent me to afternoon right. classes, even though I didn't want to, and there were better things for a teenager to do at the time. Right. Uh, and she didn't let me quit. I tried to quit several times, and she just wouldn't have it. Um, so I I completed all of my courses. I got a, a first certificate in English, even though I didn't know what that meant. I just had a paper. Yeah. To to show. Uh, and then when I started college, you know how it is in college—you uh, need money for expenses, books, and tuition and stuff. And there was one thing that I could do, and that was speak English. Mind you, I said speak English, not teach, right? Right. <laughs> so, um, so I applied for, and someone was kind enough and generous enough to give me a job. Mm-hmm. I started as a secretary uh an assistant for a language school and then occasionally I started covering classes and then before I knew it I was teaching classes all the time and then I found that to be there was this moment of clarity where I I realized that that's uh what I wanted to do Uh, my major was industrial engineering which couldn't be the farthest away from teaching uh, but I realized that this was what I wanted to do. This was where, where I was happiest and I, where, where I could make a bigger impact, um, on people's lives. And this was in 1994. So it's mm-hmm. been almost 30 years.
1: Wow. That's amazing. And, uh, what about industrial engineering then? It's probably not something you can just do as a hobby.
5: <laughs> no, it most certainly isn't uh, I have to I have to admit that uh the things that I did learn in college helped me in other ways um I, i'm very left brain oriented so um in several situations, I've found myself in a kind of problem solver kind of mood, no, okay, so we have a logistics problem, we have an organization problem, we have something that needs addressing. Uh, And I am happy to help uh, with that. Uh, I also have worked in in sales and marketing. And so that knowledge has uh, always come in handy. But Mm -hmm. even while working in sales and marketing, I work in sales and marketing in ELT. Like English teaching is my true calling uh, if there ever was one.
1: Right, okay. And how did you get involved in sales and marketing? Was that something you, that you fell into or did you decide that was something that you would be actively interested in and, and went uh, with I, open arms
6: towards?
5: I made that decision in 96, mm-hmm. even though I didn't know that I had made it. Oh,
6: really? <laughs>
5: uh, so I was, um, I was a young teacher and, um, well, you know that there are, even when you do go to college to learn how to be a teacher, I don't think any amount of schooling prepares you for, Teaching in the real world. Yeah. Um, so I was trying to learn as much as I could, as fast as I could, and I wound up in a training session sponsored by a publisher. Right. So it was a workshop on how to work with uh, preschoolers, and I saw the speaker, and I was like, "Wow, that's the dream. I want to do that <laughs> one day." Um. Yeah and so that that kind of job for uh, i mean within publishing falls into the department of sales and marketing
6: right so like
5: i said that's why i'm telling you that i made that decision even without being aware that i had made it
6: okay. it
5: wasn't it wasn't quick it wasn't until 2011 uh, that i became in touch uh, through my work in in Diesel.
6: Mm-hmm. i
5: became in touch with publishers And things just kind of happened. They they had an opening and they had um, seen me work and they saw I could fit the profile and they invited me to join their their education, their academic consultant team. And that's how I, how uh, that happened.
1: And you mentioned MEXTESOL, which is the Association of Teachers of English um, in Mexico. Is that (laughs) something you've been connected to for a long time?
5: yes uh it was again in this quest to try and and become the best teacher i could possibly be mm. uh in the year 2001 i was living here in puebla uh and the, the national Mestizo convention i can't tell you what number that was but we just celebrated the 50th anniversary so yeah probably the 25th 26th something like that um uh, uh, so that the convention was here in puebla and the school i was working for uh sponsored um me and a colleague to attend mm-hmm. so we went there and it really opens your your perspective um i often i often say uh, to teachers that um at times teaching can be a very very lonely job mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. once you close the door to the classroom or you start your Zoom session and close the door to your room or whatever you're teaching uh it it can feel like you are the only one facing these problems. Nobody has students as challenging as yours, or a curriculum as demanding as yours. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, working with uh, these many teachers that share the same challenges and and um, and hurdles that I did, it really changed my perspective. And I, I um, and I wanted to be involved with that. I tried applying as a speaker several times. I was rejected. Uh, Resounding (laughs) the first four or or five times, Uh, but then thanks to a friend of mine that I think you may know, Greg Davis. Oh yes. uh, Well, uh, so Greg was living in Guadalajara at the time, and he was the president of a local chapter. And so I attended at one of the events and he, I, I blame him for this, he he wouldn't drop it until I agreed to open uh, a chapter in Puerto Vallarta where I was living at the time. So I did, I joined actively, more actively the organization then and haven't looked back since. It's an organization that's very dear to my heart and I am always very happy to participate and to give back in every way I can.
1: Oh, fantastic. I didn't realize uh, you were so involved with it. That's great. Great to hear. So, um, uh, Gloria, one of the yes. things I mentioned that we, when we were talking about what we could, uh, what we'd like to make focus of the, uh, of the show today, you, you mentioned teacher burnout and that you said you'd been recently doing some work on it. Um, could you tell us what teacher burnout is exactly and, and what you've found out about it?
5: Well, uh, burnout in general. Um, I, when I first started uh, looking into this, I, I went to some psychology journals and I was, uh, I was trying to understand, uh, mm. what it was out of a personal interest, I'll tell you about that in a minute, but basically burnout in general, is this a mental state of constant exhaustion, not only physical exhaustion uh but also emotional this feeling of day after day feeling that there's no it doesn't matter how many hours you sleep or how uh many fluids you're drinking or whatever it just you just can't seem to get your body or your mind to kick start so that's mm-hmm. what burnout is and uh, in teachers in particular i have found that this is even more it's more challenging to identify uh, mm-hmm. because, well, I, I, I don't mean to any disrespect to any other uh, occupation, but mm-hmm. teaching is a very demanding one, all right? Yeah. And yeah. So, uh, so it's expected of us teachers, I think, to be tired all the time, all mm-hmm. right? There are a number of factors. Uh, One of them, at least in Mexico, I I would love if the audience has any insights from other parts of the country, but at least in Mexico, it's not uncommon for teachers to have jobs at two or three different schools. Mm -hmm. Okay, I know when I was a a full time teacher, I had a morning shift, I had an afternoon shift, and then I did some tutoring and some weekend classes. So and there are a lot of a lot of reasons for this that I, I won't mm-hmm. get into that right now but so it's it's assumed it's expected that you're going to be tired if you're a teacher and that you only get a life this was a joke uh between my friends and i between the months of uh july and september
6: right, right?
5: that's the uh, with uh, a sprinkle of freedom here and there in easter and christmas right mm-hmm. so When this kind of feeling is normalized, where it's like, you know, like, Oh, well, what else is new? You're a teacher, you're tired, comes with the territory. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to identify once you have crossed that line into burnout, into getting to the point where you're perhaps a little bit short tempered with your students, perhaps you have absolutely no new ideas to put in your lesson plan. Sense of despair. I think that the word uh, that um, covers it better is despair. This, this mm. hopelessness. Right. That you're, are just trapped into this never-ending uh, cycle.
1: So it's, it's a combination of excessive workloads, perhaps unrealistic targets, maybe. Yes, yes. A lack yes, of yes. time um is this something do you think that it's becoming is it increasing or do you think that there is more signs of burnout in teachers now or is it always been the case that
5: i think it's 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 always it's tricky i think it's always been the case and we are only now becoming aware Mm -hmm. right uh the first time i started um actively uh researching this uh it, it came to to be because of how I was feeling. Okay. So I, I, I got to the point where I was like, OK, this can't be. This is not all uh, that there is to life. How can this profession that I chose, that I love, that I have dedicated my life to feel this way? Hmm. D- do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so that's when I started trying to understand what was happening, uh, why it was happening and what steps could be um addressed uh, to would be taken to address it uh and this i think came a little bit more to the front fr- to the forefront Um uh, in april or f- and, um, 2020 2020 yes and i think you know what i mean
1: right of, the course, of course
5: that we don't want to we don't <laughs> even want to think about that but yeah. uh, yes i i i I saw that firsthand. Um, It was um, it was March um, for in Mexico. It might have been different in other countries, but I'm sorry. Um, It was uh, the 14th of March of 2020. Mm -hmm. I I remember the date clearly because we had had a Mexico local event in Puebla. Right.
6: Uh,
5: and so we were there, and we were uh, in the closing plenary, get, getting ready for the raffle and prizes that we give teachers to thank them for attending, etc. And exactly at that time, one of the organizers uh, summoned me and said, "Like, have a look at this." And there was this uh, live uh, conference from the Minister of Education in Mexico, indicating that we were going to we, we would have one more week of classes, and then everybody was going to be working online. Mm. um for four weeks because that's how long this was gonna take four weeks of course (laughs) we were so young and naive back then um so uh and i saw that firsthand because uh then teachers were swamped there's no other word for it swamped with courses and training sessions to learn to use tools that they had never had the need or the interest for you know if you were a preschool Mm -hmm. teacher technology is not the biggest part of your day. No, it's the songs and the chants and the routines and coloring books and stuff. Mm. Right. So um, I I saw the teachers that I was working with at the time struggle really struggle uh, because of the amount of information that was being thrown at them and the um, expectation of um, you have to put together a curriculum, a program, you have to, to create your LMS, upload your classes, your activities, etc. And they just had five days to do it. That was it. Uh, and then uh, schools and institutions in general didn't really uh, let go of the gas pedal, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I, ha- I, I knew companies, publishers, that were doing training sessions every day, 4 to 6 p.m., every day, and institutions expected teachers to attend them. So you spend juggling your online class, getting the hang of Zoom or what have you in the morning, you have a quick lunch, and then you have to sit down for two hours in front of the computer. It, mm. It's brutal.
1: And then, of course, with the... So with a lot of teachers with children having children at home etc exactly. increase the amount of workload that teachers have as well
5: exactly exactly and then uh i mean the housework never stops yeah uh, so you just see that pile of dishes growing and growing and then uh, you know your kids need to be fed and 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 teachers in general are incredibly generous people mhm and they are happy to give and give and give to others. And um, the the challenge in being so generous and so giving and so mindful of what others want and need is that it's very easy to lose sight of what one needs. Mm -hmm. Uh, A friend of mine who's a psychologist refers to this as the coffee cup effect. So you have a coffee cup, it's full of coffee, yeah. and then you can share that coffee with people but if you're not careful if you don't take the time to refill that coffee cup then it gets to the point where you have nothing to give
1: mm.
5: and nothing for yourself i don't know if that makes sense
1: yeah it does it does make complete sense so gloria what are, what are the symptoms then so um fatigue feeling tired all the time is is a definite symptom you have mentioned exhaustion what about other symptoms that someone might recognize either in themselves or in a colleague of burnout
5: well uh i i think it's uh the thing with burnout it's um, it's a, a sneaky little thing
6: mm-hmm. you
5: don't go to fine from fine to burnout in yeah. a step all right so uh it's um like i said the 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 first telltale sign uh, that I encountered was short-temperedness. Right. You know, like things yeah. that are not like uh, even the little things that are not little anymore. You mm-hmm. know, you 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 start getting irritated for things that normally wouldn't have bothered you or wouldn't have bothered you as much. Right? Okay. Uh, then, uh, there's also this uh, well fatigue that we mentioned, uh, and then fatigue again, you're so tired that you stop exercising, let's say, okay.
6: Right.
5: Or you start sleeping more or, and I did that, uh, you start watching TV without really watching TV. You're just right. there, but not really there.
6: Right. You know? Okay.
5: Uh, because you don't want to have to think what you want is for your brain to have something to do so that you don't have to think about the things that you have to do, the chores, the problems, whatever's happening. So that that's a a, a, um, giveaway. Uh, I have also found I didn't quite have that problem, but I'm talking to teachers. I I found that that was uh, quite uh, common too. Uh, insomnia.
1: Mm, Okay.
5: So you're tired all the time, but you, when the lights are off and everybody is in bed, you can't quite fall asleep.
1: Right, because your your brain is still thinking about what you need exactly. to do. Exactly,
5: because you didn't allow it to think then because you were turning it off with the TV. So then mm. it goes like, well, now's my time. Let's let's have this conversation, right? Uh, then uh, and this one, this one, I think, was uh, the biggest one for me. And, and again, I'm just speaking from experience. I'm sure mm. for different people, it looks uh, a little bit different. And like I said, if, if people are listening and they want to share, please, uh, I would love to read you in the chat. Uh, this feeling of inadequacy, like nothing I do is enough. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're not qualified to do this, you're not good enough to be an online teacher, you can't control your first graders through the screen. You know, uh, and then because you have children at home, or you have a partner, a spouse at home, then you're also not a good parent or you're not a good partner you're not taking care of them and then that just increases this sense of guilt
1: okay yeah that makes sense wow so it's very um it can quite quickly spin out of control i imagine
5: very very quickly Uh, and then like the last one the last symptom uh and i think that just, uh, it becomes a vicious circle because it just uh, fuels the others, is this, um, you become more easily distracted as well. Right. So then you start losing sight of deadlines or you start working on something and then you get distracted and then you forget what that something you were working on at first was. So things that normally would take an hour or two hours would take four, which again increases, this feeds this sense of exhaustion well, I, I just, I'm working all the time and I never seem to finish. Mm. Which again, we have for a long time normalized teachers feeling this way. It's not normal. It's not okay. You shouldn't let it get to that point.
1: Right. Of course. And so if if you recognize, if a teacher recognizes in themselves uh, that they have burnout or sees in a colleague that uh, a colleague is either is either burnt out or moving towards that danger zone if you like what what should you do to either avoid it or to turn back away from it? How do you uh, how do you recover from it?
5: I think the, the biggest uh, the, the single biggest step that you can take is to be willing to talk about it. And this is just not about uh, burnout. Uh, it's about mental health in general. Like yeah. I said, for for a long time, we have shied away from the men from the mental health conversation. Because mm-hmm. uh, we have this un- um, unrealistic expectations of ourselves and of our um, expectations of others. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Uh, so be be confident to talk about it and be prepared to listen to others talk about it um, like I said uh, it's I, I was making this point earlier no teaching is a very um, a very solitary occupation and nobody understands you and nobody has the same problems as you do uh, but I think understanding that others may be feeling this way and just be able to talk about it, it's not that talking about it is going to solve it, but think of yourself as a, some sort of express cooker. Mm-hmm. You need a valve to release some of the pressure so that you can continue going. And yeah. talking about it is a very effective way of, of releasing the pressure. So be sure to, if you see that a teacher around you might be uh, showing these signs that I described, mm-hmm. just ask are you okay? Is there anything I can do for you? And if you are feeling this way, reach out. I, someone else around you has felt that same way. And, and there will be more than one person in your circle willing to help you out of it. So that would be my first, uh, my first recommendation. Talk, talk, talk.
1: Right. No, very good. I, very good suggestions, advice there. And, how do teachers avoid getting to that stage are there things that teachers can do to to try and avoid burnout or to move away from
5: well if if we think about uh the symptoms uh for example we were, we were talking about this this uh this sense of hopelessness, nothing I do matters. Mm -hmm. I'm not making a difference. I've already explained the simple present for the 57th time, and they still forget the s. this kind of thing. No. Uh, And we tend to dwell into these kinds of thoughts. But this profession is very rewarding. And there are a lot of moments a lot of presence that the profession gives you and that you have to be there to receive and treasure. It can be from the very little, uh, uh, from the very little, very little things. Like, you know, I, I was uh, observing a class, and then one of the students came to the teacher. It's a preschool class, and they give him a piece of paper and said, "Like, I wrote you a letter." This is a first grader in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Clearly, they don't know how to write, so there was just some squiggles there. And the teacher asked, like, what does it say? It says, I love you <laughs> and see that, uh, that in that moment. Uh, well, it doesn't matter what kind of day you have, like it's all better, you know? Um, so treasure these little things. And mm-hmm. I, I would even go as far as to just keep them in a place where you can go to that, to recharge your battery. Right. I have a, I have a, I'm from Veracruz in the,
6: oh yeah,
5: yeah, um, eastern part part of Mexico, and um, I, I come from a coffee region, right? So right. a few years ago, uh, well, more than a few, uh, a teacher gave uh, a a student gave me a can with coffee inside, like a coffee tin, yeah. all right? So I, of course I the, the coffee is long gone, but I kept the tin. Uh, and I call this like my my, my treasure tin. So every time there's a little something that reminds me of a moment where I, I receive one of these presents from the teaching profession, I store that there. It could be a text message from someone saying that they enjoyed one of the PD sessions that I do or, or a message from one of my students that mm-hmm. are sharing with me now how well they are doing in life and how they still remember my classes, that sort of thing. And so when, when you feel like things are getting like, it's too much, like it's getting out of hand, I really feel like, why did I choose to be a teacher? I could have been an accountant or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I come back to this and it it helps me, um, it helps me recenter. it helps me refocus. In neuro programming, there is this concept of anchor. Mm -hmm. Uh, In NLP, uh, it's done, it's done via uh, gestures. So if you were, let's say you just did a a session and and people are clapping, so then there's this movement uh, that you do to try and attach that feeling of reward that you're getting in this particular uh, situation to a hand movement. And that way, when you need it, you can replicate that hand movement so that you can summon back this this feeling or this mental state from this moment of uh, of reward, of recognition, what have you, right? So it's something like that, but perhaps with a more physical uh, representation, a more physical token, if you will. I I I saw a video on YouTube. Um, about around the time that I'm describing, like early 2020, Mm -hmm. from Utesha Fortescue, she calls it a jar of gratitude. So whenever you receive something that you are grateful for, because it's a recognition of your work of your effort of the things that you're doing, you put it in the jar. And whenever you're starting to feel less than great, then you go back to that jar. And you remember all of those times where you did manage to be the best teacher you could be where you were the best parent, the best partner, where you felt seen and recognized for the amazing person that you are.
1: Right. And I suppose that the other thing is uh, you can actually try and kind of not, I don't know, streamline your routine, perhaps, to make sure that you are kind of not spending too much time on work uh and at least make some time for your own personal life um
5: that that is actually uh a very a very good point one that is i think harder for for teachers than for other occupations Mm -hmm. so if you're an engineer and you work at the coca-cola plant let's say all right so once you clock out you clock out yeah okay so you don't take the machines home with you uh to keep an eye on them uh, but teachers do and it happens very often uh take to bring work home because if yeah. it's the midterms and you have to give a test uh, and you can't you can't check it in class you are either teaching or checking the exams right yep. so yep. that gets to come home i used to to I'm sure teachers can relate to this, uh, to this image. So I used to sit down on Sunday morning uh, on my kitchen table and Mm -hmm. I would spread all of my books all over with the biggest pot of coffee you can imagine because it was lesson planning day.
6: Yeah,
1: exactly.
5: But I I had kids, I had a three and a five-year-old that required attention and Sunday is, you know, they want to go to the park, they want to go to the pool, they want to do stuff. Not what she do lesson plans. So uh, this invasion of of um, of the work li- of the work life into home is, like I said, it's it's not uncommon. Uh, once I had I had a, a colleague in one of the schools I worked in in Puerto Vallarta, and and he was the only male teacher in the English department, Mr. Munguia. Mm-hmm. and he, he used to joke I was like well I am not taking any work home unless the coordinator is happy when I bring my ironing here and I start doing it in the class <laughs> I was like, that was a bit extreme I felt at the time but he had a point you know yeah
1: uh, it is difficult though as you said before um, there's kind of uh, the expectation that teachers will do marking lesson planning outside of the school day.
5: Yeah, yeah, and I've seen I I was very surprised when I found out talking to teachers. There are some schools in Mexico City that will pay teachers a full time um, schedule, like eight to three or what have you. Mm. Uh, But they only have about 20 hours a week of that um, facing groups and the remaining 10 hours are for planning and administrative stuff. Right. but that is very rare that that was that's the only yeah. school i've ever heard of it's the way class. it
1: should be isn't it it should be that way it should be because teachers are expected to attend meetings who so admin, mark plan etc yeah
5: but, but, um, but it is rare isn't it it is very rare so then okay so you un, unless uh we all go work at this institution then we have to find other ways to manage and i think yeah. Uh, One, um, one way to do that is to create borders, Mm -hmm. Uh, physical ones at first, to help your mind get into that mindset. And then then they're just there. So let's say that I am going to do my lesson planning. So my lesson planning is going to happen in the kitchen table, right? Because I live in a small apartment and it's the only big table there is, yeah. all right? But it can only happen between the hours of X and Y. All right, mm-hmm. and then once that time is up, just like the kids, just like I make my kids put their toys away, Yeah. Uh, or I try to, they don't listen, but the, <laughs> the, the intention is there. Um, uh, then I put myself away, and I did what I did, and that's that. You no, know? and then there are some some spaces that are to remain work free. So if we are sitting at the dining room table having lunch, then that's not the space for us to talk about work. It's to talk about what's happening uh, with the kids, with your spouse. Like be there for that moment, right? Yeah. So make sure that there is this. These barriers. Some people are lucky enough to have uh, bigger dwellings, and perhaps you can have a home office or something. Mm-hmm. And then home remains in the home office. Yeah. Sorry, office. The work re- uh, remains in the in the home office, and that's that. Yeah. It doesn't escape that, and you don't yeah. let it bleed into the other areas of your life because if you do, then it becomes very very difficult to push it back in where it should go.
1: Yeah. So creating barriers, basically. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm both barriers and physical space, but also time. I, I completely agree with that. I think it's whenever I found work bleeding into, um, home life, for example, I, I try and do something similar. One of the things that I, um, always try and do if I'm very, you know, even if I'm very, very busy is to have one day a week, if possible, where I don't do any work whatsoever. I think that helps
5: it does it does very much and also uh and i'm going to go back to my my coffee pot analogy um uh, uh, we need to find the space it's not enough to keep work at bay
4: mm-hmm. because
5: if you keep work at bay but then you become someone's mom and someone's parents and uh, someone's spouse and you devote yourself to them then that doesn't help with burnout you're just nope deflecting or you're just changing the, the object, but Mm -hmm. the burnout feeling is still there. All right. So the question I would like to ask teachers is, what is it that you enjoy? What do you um, what makes you happy outside of work? And are you making sure that this activity has it's space, that it's marked in these barriers so that you allow time. No, you save time, you make the time for this activity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like, oh, I will go to the gym when I have time. If you like going to the gym, if that makes you happy, go to the gym, not when you have time, schedule it and stick to it. Uh, yeah. Because that's how you that's how you recharge your emotional battery. By doing by doing things that are for no one else but for yourself, um, I started. Wow, 2001, 2002, something like that. I started playing flag football. Um, I joined a team, yeah. and I I. We had practices once or twice a week, and, and um, when I first moved to Puebla uh, in 2012, I stopped playing. Okay, because mm-hmm. I had a new job, this new responsibilities, sales and marketing, yada, yada. And I wanted to be there for the job. And then I found myself in to a position where I was, my life was the job. Okay, and that that's not yeah. healthy, like I said, so I started playing again, it took me a while to to gather the courage, perhaps to to, the, to create the discipline to learn to put me first, not all the time, but for some things, you have to be first. Uh, and then I, I was lucky enough to start playing again in 2016, and I still play. And some days are for flag football. That's my thing. That's the thing that makes the other thing that makes my heart sing. And it's important to me. And my family has learned, and other uh, people in my life have learned that I need this. I need this to, I so that I can be the partner that you need me to be, that I can be the mom that you need me to be. Of right.
1: course. Yeah, I think also one thing I think is really uh, important if you find it difficult to find that space or to do that, you were saying go to the gym, etc. I think what, what you do, something physical, something that is completely different to teaching, for example, is a good thing, but also um arranging to do something with other people uh, mm-hmm. because then there's a the kind of peer pressure and you don't want to let them down you want you know you've made an arrangement to meet someone i think that helps as well doesn't it
5: yeah exactly uh like i said make time to to look after your friends okay because uh, if, if you're not careful um all of a sudden all of your friends are teachers and it's not by design it's just because, well, these are the people that I spend Monday through Friday and Christmas festivals and whatever. So these are the people that are there, but it's important to, to create relationships with people that have other jobs and other interests. And that allow us to breathe this fresh air into our lives. Yeah. Right. How are you going to find out about other music genres or other TV shows that you want to watch or other things that you want to do? If you don't put yourself in the position where you're open to this,
1: of course. Yeah. And apart from teachers, it's I think the pandemic has sort of seen a increase in perhaps not burnout, but definitely um, anxiety and depression with students as well, hasn't it?
5: Yes, uh, th- that is the thing. Yes, it also it also affected students greatly. and. I don't think, um, I'm very curious, uh, when I think not for the next five years, we're not going to fully see the impact on COVID on mm-hmm. our students and our educational systems in general. Yeah. But I, I did say, imagine if we are adults, and I'm going to say this with air quotes, mm-hmm. uh, and we are more or less in control of our emotions and more or less in, in control of our environment, Uh, and we are struggling can you imagine what it must be to be a teenager in this day and age in lockdown yeah or a preschooler i i one of the i was talking to a teacher earlier this week and she was telling me well my first graders um, kindergarten they're not mature enough they cannot do this they cannot do that i was like well bear in mind that this kid spent his entire life so far at home Mm. he has had no social interaction he has sent needed to learn to take turns or to wait for anything okay because he's been at the center of uh his home's universe of course he's going to have um he's going to feel this way no he's going to to have trouble adapting to to school life or whatever so uh and the same thing happens for primary students for for um, for teenagers i i was talking to a friend of mine that i met in met in mcd's sebastian and he was telling me that um uh, he his high school son had up to the um to right before the pen the lockdown um struggled in school and he wasn't doing well and and like he was a, a slightly below average student he wasn't failing but he wasn't thriving mm-hmm. And uh, lockdown had the opposite effect that we would have expected on a kid like this. He learns best on his own. He wants to be able to research in different sources. He wants to have the time to work on his projects. So when he was allowed that time by working online, he started thriving.
6: Wow. And so
5: he's now moved on to college and he has chosen to study online. So. All of these are the things that we have to, to take into, into consideration. Uh, like I said, it's not one size fits all. It's mm. not cookies we're making where everything has to go by the same mold. It's different for different people. But yeah, I know a lot of people, a lot of students that struggled, that, that had depression problems. Uh, there was a, a fair amount of, at least in my closer circle, uh of increase in in drug use and Mm -hmm. uh, this sort of thing and perhaps even suicidal tendencies right Right. but again uh, i'm going to go back to my earlier point we have to be prepared and open to talk about it if we don't talk about it there is no way we are going to be able to address it to make it better
1: of course that's really interesting to hear that uh, your friend's son thrived during lockdown. So I could see how that happens as well. But I think probably for the most of uh, students being deprived of social interaction um, and daily routines of going to school was probably not beneficial for them.
5: No, of course, because we'll, we rely on routine to keep us to keep us on top on things. Right. So mm-hmm. we want uh, it. Got It got to the point. It happened to me at some point during lockdown. It was like, I don't even know or care what day of the week it is. <laughs> right. Of course. So, so that that's that's not not everybody thrives. My oldest son, uh, he was in college um, at the beginning of lockdown, and he a little bit like me learns mm. better socially, like You need to talk about what you're studying with your partners. You need uh, the teacher to see you. okay? and as a teacher, I also like we do a lot of things online. We have adapted, but sometimes there's nothing like being there and being able to, to gauge from a student's expression whether or not the concept that you're trying to teach is actually coming through.
1: Yeah, yeah. You you don't have the same sort of sense, do you? When you're in the physical classroom, you have this sort of appreciation of the energy that is around the body language, the collective understanding sort of comes across a lot more than it can ever do online.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I was I did a webinar yesterday with um, with there were about a hundred teachers, mm-hmm. but uh, I, if you've used go to webinar, you know you can't. Usually in these kind of sessions, uh, the chat is muted. So people have to ask questions, which reduces dramatically participation. Their cameras are off. Their microphones are off. And so you have just this feeling that you're talking into the void yeah. and hoping that whatever it is that you were trying to convey reaches someone.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, no, I, 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 I do really enjoy working online and actually giving presentations online i generally prefer them nowadays to uh to doing face-to-face presentations partly just because of the time i think uh, because if you if you are delivering a presentation that is face-to-face there's so much sort of time involved in getting to the place and coming back from the travel place travel all of please. the other things but it, it you know you you do miss that interaction i mean one of the great things about the next conference another face to face conferences that kind of not forgotten about but got out of the habit of is that sort of um, bumping into people and having the opportunity just to talk to them socially which you never have if if it's an event online is not the yeah, same
5: yeah it's it's um it's Half a dozen either way, I think, no?
6: Yeah.
5: Uh, I know, for example, that the, the British Council, ha- after they started doing their event uh, online, they have chosen to only have it online. They're not returning to face-to-face. I think I was lucky enough to attend the last, the very last one uh, face-to-face event. They had yeah uh, you, were you, the were, you were there you were yeah the b-belt you were there that that's where yeah. I, I met you
4: yeah uh,
5: and that was the last one and i've i've uh, i've heard that they, they're planning to remain online and of course it makes sense because people who cannot i mean we uh, those of us who are teachers we're not in this for the money i mean you don't become rich from teaching not really yeah. Yeah. so it's not that you don't want to attend these conferences it's that sometimes you can't afford it because you have to pay the conference entrance fee, and then you have to pay for the hotel, you have to pay for travel. Then the school has to allow you to go, or uh, yeah. you have to get permission or unpaid leave or whatever. So it's not always possible, right?
1: Mm, that's right.
5: So so I there's there's great value in being able to do these these sessions online, but it, like I said, you gain attendance, but then the interaction suffers a little and vice versa. Aya for example, for a number of years now, has streamed uh, online some of the sessions, not everything, but yeah. some of the sessions. I think I was able to see a couple of Pecha Kucha nights and things like that. So, and But even in streaming, I, I think streaming online, um, as opposed to a Zoom event or go to webinar or what have you, Uh, you get at least as an attendee the feeling of the audience who is there. So you're Mm -hmm. kind of like sharing into that energy that's generated. That is definitely not the case with with an online platform as such.
1: Yeah, I think it depends a lot on the platform. Uh, And having a chat available uh, can help, but also the presenters actually referring and responding to the chat gives it a sense of, you know, it makes you know just watching a recording. Uh, you're actually doing, you know, attending something that is happening at the at the moment, which which is is uh, is interesting. I think yeah, the idea of of um of moving to an online event such as B Belt, for example, allows us to reach a lot more people of course. Um, in a lot more places for a lot less. Uh, Mm -hmm. expense really so rather than than reaching a couple of hundred hundred people um we can reach thousands so i think it's it's a no-brainer from that point of view and i think also while you have other events that are face-to-face like mex diesel that fulfill that need um for the face-to-face conferences i think giving an alternative to people who aren't able to travel is is worthwhile
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think in in my ideal world, okay, Mm -hmm. but of course I am I'm nobody in the grand scheme of things. But if I could have things my way, I would like uh, to see a a hybrid event. Yeah, like where where you can choose to attend online, or you can if you can afford it, you can come face to face. And I think that kind of, uh, that would provide us with a happy medium. uh, Yeah. So that.
1: I think it's very difficult to do though. Um, I I would imagine all of the hybrid events that I've attended, if I've been online, there's a tendency, it's a very tricky thing for a presenter to be able to attend to a face-to-face audience and the online audience at the same time and what often seems to happen is that um the online audience what captures the attention uh sorry the uh, face-to-face audience what captures the presenters attention and the online gets sort of sidelined or ignored um to in a lot of the cases it's not always the case but um it's certainly my experience of hybrid events
5: yeah i we tried uh like in the very first weeks after we returned from lockdown was January of wait, was it 2022? Probably. Uh, so we had, uh, one of the institutions I worked with at the time, uh, was the Universidad Autónoma del Estado de Mexico. And so, um, some teachers were still a little bit reluctant, uh, because of the risk of contagion and whatever. So we had to deliver a training that was non-negotiable, but some teachers wanted it online, some teachers wanted it face to face. So we did an experiment. It was a very crude one mm-hmm. where uh, we did have, uh, we, we were streaming uh, the presenter live. And then we had one person dedicated to attending the chat so that he could relay the questions to the presenter, because as a presenter, you cannot be on top of the chat, you simply can't. You yeah. you have to focus on conveying the content and whatever. So we had someone in charge of of uh, of the chat. We had uh, someone looking after the people face to face. We had someone looking after the presenter, and we tried to we tried to juggle it. Like I said, it was a very very crude experiment, but we just wanted to see what we could do and whether this was uh, worthwhile moving forward. You no, know, if if this was something we wanted to replicate. Um, it was it worked i would not use an an adverb after that it worked uh and but we learned a lot of things uh we we realized that the online audience enjoys having the opportunity to interact not only with the presenter but with the the people who are present mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, so like uh, so they they appreciate like hearing the questions that are being asked and, and commenting on those of that We did not have the technology um, we learned then that we needed a different kind of microphones and perhaps the cameras because we were doing this very very uh, very crudely like I said like we were using our, our work assigned cell phones for streaming yeah. or data plans you know what we had okay and obviously it was, an audience of 60 teachers about uh 35 face to face 25 online so it wasn't a a massive event such as BeBuilt, but like i said it's worth exploring no let's let let, to see i mean maybe there's a niche maybe this becomes something that is not worth pursuing but I, i don't know until we try it we can't really know
6: yeah yeah
5: no,
1: I think you've got a point there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good. So Gloria yes. moving away from, well, we moved away from burnout already, but, uh, I know that you're very interested in professional development for teachers. We talked about your involvement in mixed TESOL and, uh, training teachers, et cetera. And what do you see as the importance of professional development of teachers being, this idea of continuing professional development what is it that you think teachers have to sort of make sure that they do when it comes to that without of course burning out but finding time of course to develop professionally is so important as a teacher isn't it
5: yeah it it has to do with i think pd is uh, intertwined with, with avoiding burnout as it is
6: mm-hmm.
5: one of the, one of the things that one of the symptoms that I uh, described earlier when we were talking about burnout was this, this, uh, lack of, of resourcefulness, you, you no longer have any ideas or any more creative thoughts to put into your lesson plan.
6: Right.
5: Um, it's not uncommon for us to fall into some sort of rut okay mm-hmm. so i already have my worksheet that i use for the third person s and that is the worksheet right mm-hmm. and i use it with every class and it becomes routine i become comfortable with it but then um well it my way uh on quoting the mandalorian here my way is not the way mm-hmm. uh there are other possibilities, there are other options, and just stepping a little bit outside of the known, of the familiar, uh, can make a great difference for teachers. So the thing about professional development is learning about the, the, the way other people are working, Yeah, trying to adapt, see, okay, well, this can or cannot work in my classroom. I don't know, and I can't know unless I try it. And then between my way and this new thing that I tried, there's like a huge spectrum of possibilities. So maybe, okay, didn't work perfectly the way the presenter proposed it, but here's something else that I can do, or this is an adaptation that I can make. And uh, I, I, I find great comfort in the idea that there is strength in numbers. And the more minds we are in touch with, the bigger we collectively become, the better we collectively become.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's keeping interest, isn't it?
5: It is keeping interest in what you do. Exactly. And the other thing, the reason I I got involved into professional development is also a little bit of a karmic one. Uh, I I described to you earlier what my what my journey to becoming a teacher had been.
4: Right. Mm -hmm
5: and how I did not have at the time the opportunity to, to, to go to college and specialize in ELT. So I had to learn along the way. And there yeah. were a huge amount of people that were there for me in that journey, that helped me, that were very generous with their time to share what they had learned with them. So I work in professional development because I feel it's my responsibility to give back. Mm. To be there for others, the way I, I am standing, I am uh, quoting here, but I'm standing in the shoulders of giants, of people mm. who were doing this before I was, that were able to teach their students successfully, and they were not selfish with their knowledge, they were happy to share it. So I, that's why I do what I do. That's why I, I take advantage of every opportunity I get to, to meet new teachers and to hopefully pave the way a little bit for them, the way the way was paved for me.
1: Yeah, it's, it's typical, isn't it? That's one of the great things about anyone who works in education, and in particular in English language teaching, I think uh, I can definitely say that's the case, but I think in other areas of education it is as well. So like people do have this generosity when it comes to sharing ideas with others
5: I said it earlier, teachers are very, very generous, very giving people. It's, it's yeah. just in our DNA. It's it's part of what makes us us.
1: Yeah. And so what, apart from burnout that you've been looking into recently, what are the areas of education or language teaching, et cetera? Are you particularly interested in the moment that you're, that, what things have caught your eye?
5: Well, I, um. I have done there are many things that that i have done in professional development sessions mm. and sometimes these ideas for sessions come from very unexpected places this this whole concept i was talking about earlier of, of being in touch of with someone outside uh, and see what mm. of these outside world I can bring into into teaching. Um, so uh, I have as one of my hobbies, I have um, photography, I've been trying to learn photography for the past 20 years or so. Right. Um, if you have browse through my Instagram, <laughs> you know that that has been more or less successful depending on the time. Uh, but uh, for example, I started doing a number of sessions uh, involving um, images, uses of images for critical thinking, uh, thinking of visual literacy, helping the students see beyond the plain image, oh, there's a house, there's a family, okay, great. Yeah. But what can you infer from this picture that is not there? What mm. else, what What did the camera not catch, you know, that sort of thing. So I've done a number of sessions of that. Uh, I also enjoy listening to music very much, and I've also done a number of sessions on uh, using music to keep the tempo of your classes. This is basic classroom management, but Mm -hmm. just how how do you use music to keep the tempo in your classes to, to make sure that your students remain on task? What sort of activities, what language can you extract from music and lyrics? and how you can apply it into the classroom that sort of thing so really it's just about finding the finding inspiration in different places being open allowing yourself to be surprised by what's out there and then thinking what can i do with this how can i run with this and do something else in the classroom
1: great and to go back to the music is this the idea of using background music to set the tone and pace when you're teaching, when students are doing activities, or it's, is it that and looking at songs, et cetera?
5: Well, uh, when the students are working, like you've already explained the task, you don't want background music when you are explaining something because mm-hmm. that's not going to go well. <laughs> yeah, As it is, the students are needing an excuse to stop paying attention to you. so. Don't give them one. Um, but rather as a way of keeping, uh, keeping uh, tasks, uh, I was, uh, as I said, I was teaching earlier, and uh, one of the things that I do with my online classes is like, okay, so uh, we have this exercise, and you're allowed at five minutes, I don't want you to be distracted by looking at the watch, the music will tell you by the, by the pace and the cadence, the music will tell you how much time you have left. Right? So okay. that allows so that allows them to remain on task because it's the worst thing you can do. Be looking at the you're so worried about the clock that you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, right? right. So so that's that's that. And and then there's a lot of things that you can do with music. I a few years ago uh, I was um, lucky enough to to be in uh, one of Jeremy Harmer's sessions with mm. Steve Bingham. He, he has this, oh, yes. these shows that he does and how the lyrics and the music and the words from text like there's a um, Dickens show that they have and then there's also 50 loves and, and what they do with words and music and how you can apply with that, uh, apply that in, say, more advanced conversation classes. That's just um, like I said, it's just about um, being open to what's right. out there. My latest interest and um, is uh, basically a movement and uh, the cognitive processes and language learning. That's like my new, my new, new thing. Uh, yeah. and a- again, this comes from a personal experience, um, growing up, I was always the kind of, uh, the kind of quiet kid, not a lot of physical activity, not getting engaged into into a, a lot of sports, so I would prefer to hide in my room and read, and mm-hmm. I would skip physical education class every chance I got. Uh, so I never spent a lot of time thinking about my body. And recently mm-hmm. through I I took up yoga, was it yeah three years ago, because I had a bad back. Mm-hmm. Right. So the physical therapist said, "Well, you should try yoga," and, and I started doing yoga. And in studying yoga, and, and not just the poses or the breath work, which is don't get me wrong, that that's very useful, but how your mind approaches a new thing, okay? How okay? So there's this pose, and my my mind's first uh, impulse is like, "Well, no, that's too hard. You can't do that." Uh, and then wh- how you have to manage your mind and your processes to allow your body to do what it's what it's meant to do, what it's designed to do. All right. And then, so I got to thinking about how the same thing happens when we're learning something No, not just languages, but anything really. Uh, how our first impulse is, oh no, that's so hard. Oh no, 10 questions, teachers, please come on. How do you expect me to answer 10 questions in five minutes, impossible. So, understanding how our mind works, how our mind sometimes blocks us from doing certain things, uh, can help ease the way for our students to continue their language learning process or their learning process in general. Right? I have discovered a lot of things about myself in this in this process of of exploring movement. I have learned how my mind works. Uh, what fears and what uh reserves and concerns our mind brings into play that sometimes we're not even aware of
6: Mm.
1: that's really interesting and how would a teacher for example of english use that those kinds of ideas within the classroom um apart from of course the total physical response uh etc but can you use movement in other ways apart from that to facilitate well, language practice or learning.
5: Actually, one of the one of the sessions that I saw in 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 Mixtiesel, uh was uh, I, I believe it was Maya Leon Mice, the pronunciation mm-hmm. doctor. I don't know if you were able to attend that. No, I didn't. Uh, see
6: that.
5: It was it was I I got sidetracked because that's also the thing that happens at conferences you you aim to go to a session and then you run into someone in the hallway and then you, yeah you arrive yeah. later than you would have liked to, to the session so i didn't catch the whole thing uh but one of the things that i saw her do there is this uh, method that she follows to teach um or to develop let's say phonemic awareness or phonological awareness in students using hand movements So Mm. every sound in the alphabet is associated with a hand position. And so when I saw her working with the, with the, um, vowel plus R sounds, which is like, uh, those are really challenging for speakers of Spanish. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure about about other languages, but for Spanish speakers, that's like a nightmare. Mm -hmm. And and so when she was doing that, she was demonstrating, it was like, well, how come I hadn't thought of that? No, the 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 fact that you can give your students something to anchor to 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 help them as a mnemonic recourse, if you will, to handle this particular aspect of the language that they're finding challenging, and so that is movement that's uh, feeling that's kinesthetic uh, applied to cognition to helping the students understand that, right? So, so there's that. There's also, um, I don't think she's here, but I am also working with um, one of the teachers that's a member of the National Committee in Mextiesel. Mm-hmm. And so they have, this, um, they have this program, it's called Bilingual Baby. And so basically they're training the students, well, they're toddlers, I don't know that we could call them students, but babies. <laughs> uh, into the language by using uh, by using a, a more complex, I want to say, way of total physical response to help mm-hmm. them structure and organize their their ideas or their little sentences. Right? Uh, personally, for example, uh, I my youngest son uh, he has special educational needs and he's nonverbal. Mm-hmm. So and. I was lucky enough to meet uh, a speech and language uh, practitioner and she gave us the idea of training him in sign language Hmm. so that he could communicate with us. Uh, And we saw a huge amount of improvement in his development. uh, Just because he was able to, to tell us what he needed, he can hear fine. He he's just non-verbal,
6: right.
5: but he needs, he needs to communicate. And so that was a huge, uh, a huge, I forgot the word watershed. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, well, yeah. uh, so, um, so it, 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 there was a before and after for this right. and funnily enough, what happens with my little brat now is, um, he's, he's nonverbal, but he understands Spanish and he understands English we used to have this thing where we my, my husband and I would speak in English to keep him out of the conversation. Well, that ship has sailed. <laughs> he understands everything we're saying. And, and I can, he, he knows that we know that he understands it's, it's unbelievable.
1: <laughs> That's funny. And, but he understands English because he, he learned it to be able to understand what you two were saying or because you taught it. Excuse
5: well, me. I didn't, Set out. We didn't set out to teach him. It just happened. You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's just uh, immersion. I don't. I don't know. Clashing um, would be very interested in in a case like this.
1: Right. That's really funny. Wonderful. And what is the uh, future hold for you, Gloria? What what pro- do you have any projects coming up? Do you have any things that you want to do that are on your radar that you haven't started yet?
5: well uh through my work with with pame who i hope is still here in the in the call
1: she is yes, she, she is, is. Oh,
5: okay uh so through my work with pame and and uh other students that i have i i want to start um uh i i want to start my own l m s it, it's just something that i ca- that came uh into my radar recently. I'm involved in a diploma course at the Universidad Anahuac in Mexico,
6: mm-hmm.
5: purely online, purely asynchronous. I know. I just told you that I learn better with people. Yeah. But, hey, you gotta step out of out of your comfort zone. So this uh, this diploma course is on e-learning, right? Right. So I, I've been experimenting with designing multimedia materials. And so I I want to put into practice the things that I'm learning in this diploma course. I will finish in uh, February if all goes well. Uh, So I want to put that into practice and perhaps start building my own LMS. I've always been very interested in technology, but I have taken that as a hobby, you know, yeah. Uh, like uh, oh, it's just like at some point I learned to code in HTML. At some point I learned this and that, but never really did anything with it. So mm-hmm. I would like to now to take advantage of the tools of my at my disposal and build something. And, and perhaps I don't know, start having uh, professional development sessions for teachers online uh, to make it more accessible to others. You know that mm-hmm. don't have the time or the resources to attend to a conference, whether it be online or face-to-face.
1: Right. Oh, that sounds interesting. And do you have any preferred sort of tools that you've been using that you think you would like to kind of explore to be able to do that?
5: Well, I just found out, I I was using with another school uh, platform that's called Notion. Uh, And uh, I just found out that Microsoft, because. Microsoft is going to Microsoft, I guess. Um, uh, they have an alternative to Notion, and that's called Loop. So Loop. I was watching a few videos and trying to get an idea for it. I signed up for an account, and I'm just exploring it to see to see what I uh, what I like, and then I also am exploring Teachable. So we'll see where it goes.
1: All right. So between those three um, platforms or tools, you'll be uh you're trying to work out which is which would be the best one
5: exactly what will suit me best because this is a side job from many many other jobs i have so so there's not as much time as i would like but i find it this is how i recharge my battery trying new things learning new things
1: oh yes of course it brings us back to what you were saying before about professional development the importance of of um of not just doing the same thing all the time. Exactly. Okay. Well, that's great. So I'm going to wrap things up now, Gloria. I want to thank you so much for joining me. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you and getting to know you more and uh, and finding out more about what uh, what your projects are. And, and, and also, thank you very much for all of the uh, useful advice and information you shared about teacher burnout.
5: Well, thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure.
1: Okay, great. And uh, well, I'll bump into you at the next MEX TESOL conference, if not before.
5: Well, hopefully, I mean, I imagine you are attending the B-Belt, right? So maybe yes. I'll see you
1: there. Oh, well, I'll see you then. Remotely. I'll be online okay. remotely.
5: <laughs> sure. All right. Okay, then. All right. Thank you very much. And thank you to your lovely audience. Thank oh, you. Thank you, Pamela. You're very sweet.
1: Uh, yes, thank you for joining us and staying uh, all this time, Parmi, as well.
6: All right.
2: Are you looking for lesson planning materials to kickstart the new term? We've got you covered. The Day is a global online resource that turns the news into lessons. We're offering listeners a free resource on Andrew Tate that you can find on thedaynews.co forward slash tape inspire personal development and critical thinking for your students by downloading the tate debate today and feel more confident addressing sensitive topics with your class visit thedaynews.co forward slash tate to find out more this show is brought to you in partnership with john Cat educational publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world have you checked out their latest releases Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit JohncatBookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading.
3: In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure, helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly and access actionable data that drives student success.
1: So thank you very much everybody, thank you. Um, That brings us to the end of today's Twilight Show. Many thanks especially to today's special guest Gloria Montiel and to all of us, uh, to all of you who joined us live in particular Pame for sticking around till the very end. So that's it from me. There are Teachers Talk Radio shows all week on all manner of interesting topics. So please listen in live or listen back to the recordings. And I hope you will join me again next week at the same time. Bye for now.
0: You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time